Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 39 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. This episode is dropping on the 19th of March, and since the 20th is the first day of spring, we're exploring springy sayings today. Once we've finished putting a spring in our step, don't forget to stay tuned after the outro for Let Me Rephrase, the blooper section. Without further ado, let's spring into today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Okay, toppers, let's begin with the beginning of spring itself. The springing. Actually, that's not a word, but we'll just go with it. Many people say spring has sprung, but why? Well, it's pretty straightforward, actually. In the spring, plants spring from the ground, and buds and leaves spring from tree branches. Basically, this time of year is named after what a lot of stuff does during this season. As for the spring has sprung saying, it's believed to have come from a little ditty from 1940s Brooklyn. The author is unknown, and while it's typically called the Brooklyn National Anthem, it's also known as the Budding Bronx. It has multiple versions as well as multiple names, but here's one that seems to be the most popular based on my research. Spring has sprung, the grass is riz. I wonder where the boides is. The little boides is on the wing. Ain't that absurd? The little wings is on the boid. That's a fun little poem that uses a humorous take of the phrase on the wing, which is used to describe birds flying. Now that we know why spring is called spring, let's touch a teeny bit on the science of why spring has an official first day, which is the equinox. Science is far from my strong point, but I'll try not to butcher this too badly. I should first state that the vernal equinox signals the start of spring in the northern hemisphere. Down below the equator, it's the beginning of autumn. There's another equinox each September, called the southward equinox, which is the start of spring down south and autumn up here. What's special about the day the equinox falls on is that it has an almost equal amount of daylight and darkness, which, if you break down the word itself, makes sense. It comes from the Latin aequi, which means equal, and nox, which means night. And with that bit of equinoxal etymology, let's move on to why people clean so much during spring. So, I know that spring cleaning isn't technically an idiom or a metaphor or any other kind of phrase. It's just cleaning during spring. But this is a show about the why of things, even though it's mostly the why of phrases. So, I feel like this is still a good fit for today's episode. Does the expression spring cleaning bring forth an image in your mind of a woman hanging a rug on a clothesline and beating the dust out of it with a tennis racket? That's not just me, right? Anyway, whatever image comes to your mind when you hear the term spring cleaning, if you're like me, then you wonder what it is about this time of year that entices people to make things neat and tidy. Well, wonder no more, toppers, because I'm about to tell you. Basically, houses tend to get dirtier in the winter versus other times of the year, because we're in them more. So, as the weather warms, we find ourselves renewing everything in the house by tidying up, cleaning, and maybe decluttering as well. Just like the plants and animals outside budding and birthing, we renew our living spaces as well. But when did this become an ordinary thing to do? One school of thought is that it comes from the Persian New Year, called Nowruz, 
which falls on the first day of spring. Traditionally, Persians, now Iranians, would participate in something I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but that translates to shaking the house. They clean their homes from top to bottom, basically shaking all the dust free and making it clean and refreshed. Others think that spring cleaning goes all the way back to the old-timey times of the ancient Jewish practice of cleaning their homes thoroughly before Passover, the week-long celebration held in remembrance of when the Israelites escaped from Egypt. Because there are certain foods Jewish people can't eat during Passover, they'd take great care to remove all of the forbidden items from their homes. When or wherever the first spring cleaning actually took place, many religions and cultures still have traditional cleaning ceremonies and times, many of which take place as spring begins to spring. Now, I think I've put this topic away in a tidy little box, so let's move on to the fever that comes with spring. Why does spring bring a fever? Before we get to the why, we should clarify just what kind of fever this time of year brings about. If you've ever seen the film Bambi, then you might know spring fever as being twitterpated. Yes, the fever of spring is one of love, and also joy. But is it a real phenomenon, or is it simply a saying? Well, according to science, spring fever is more than just something folks say. It's a legitimate thing that happens. And it hasn't always been good. In old-timey times, when food storage options were limited, folks didn't get a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables in the winter. This meant that by the time spring rolled around, people were deficient in many vital nutrients, especially vitamin C. Yep, they basically had land scurvy. Since they would be experiencing the worst of their symptoms by the end of winter, and therefore the beginning of spring, this land scurvy was called spring disease. Although, personally, I like land scurvy better, but I digress. Nowadays, in general, people have a greater access to foods year-round, so land scurvy, I mean spring disease, isn't really a thing anymore. At least, not in the same way it originally was around. Have you ever heard of SAD? S-A-D is Seasonal Affective Disorder, and it's another thing that comes about because of winter that's relieved by spring. While the exact cause of seasonal affective disorder is unknown, scientists think it has a lot to do with a combination of the increased cold and decreased daylight of winter. While we do have access to things that help us to stay physically healthier than our ancestors, we still find ourselves doing less outdoor activities in the frigid temperatures. Basically, for reasons not entirely known, people tend to get more depressed in winter. Once spring hits, moods are lifted along with the temperatures, and joy overtakes people in an almost feverish rate. Get it? Spring fever? Okay, we have one more aspect of this to look at, the twitterpated type of spring fever. Does spring really make people fall in love easier? Actually, it kind of does. Mammals, including humans, tend to follow a pattern that promotes better chances at survival for their offspring. Basically, spring is a historically popular time for new life to arrive in the world, and not just for plants. This is because many animals have a biological clock that ticks along with the seasons. For example, the longer nights in winter lend themselves to a greater production of melatonin, and when longer days of spring come along, we make less melatonin and therefore have more energy. So, while feelings of true love may not be affected directly by springtime, 
Things like the higher energy levels and the biological instinct to have offspring combine to make us more susceptible to feelings of love. So from an actual disease to a feverish flurry of feelings, spring fever is most definitely real. And before I make you sick from droning on, let's take a look at some lions and lambs. The proverb, in like a lion, out like a lamb, is used to refer to the typical weather in March. When March begins, it is still winter, and the weather is often unpleasant, as it's still cold and tends to rain a lot. By the end of March, it's spring, and the weather's a bit warmer, although it still rains a lot. Anyway, you can think of the early March weather as a ferocious lion, and the weather at the end of the month as a calm, soft lamb. What's interesting about this saying is that you can use either half of it by itself. For example, if someone storms into a room, you can use the first half, in like a lion. If someone makes their way out of a room quietly, you could say they went out like a lamb. So it's almost like having three sayings in one. But when did it get its start as a proverb? Well, it started as a prophecy. The main school of thought for at least the idea behind the saying is from the Christian religion, which states that Jesus left the world as the sacrificial lamb and will come back in as the Lion of Judah. But how did it go from a description of God in human form to a proverb? Actually, no one really seems to know. However, it did first appear in print in a proverbial way in 1732, in a work by Thomas Fuller, a British physician, preacher, and intellectual. It was titled Nomologia, Adages and Proverbs, Wise Sentences and Witty Sayings, Ancient and Modern, Foreign and British. In this book, he wrote the saying like this, quote, Comes in like a lion, goes out like a lamb, end quote. So, for it to be in a book of sayings, it had to have been well known by that time. So, with that, let's move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. Today's metaphor is April showers bring May flowers. Before moving on, I want to share a joke that I've loved for a long time. If April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? Pilgrims. <laughs> okay, if you're all done groaning, you might be asking yourself what April showers and Mayflowers have to do with the first day of spring in March, and maybe even why this is today's metaphor. As for the metaphor aspect, this saying is used to tell someone that good things often follow the bad. It's basically another way to point out a silver lining. As for March, it seems to be way off the mark, at least as the saying is used today. But there's more to this saying that connects it smack dab to our theme for today. No one seems to know for sure who said it first, but it's pretty widely accepted that Geoffrey Chaucer was the first to write it down, or at least to write down an ancestor of today's version. In the 14th century, in the Canterbury Tales, he wrote, quote, When in April the sweet showers fall, that pierce March's drought to the root and all and bathed every vein in liquor that has power to generate therein and sire the flower. End quote. So, we have here a more March to April time frame, not an April to May time frame, and that's why this is a good fit for today's episode. A version of this saying that's more like our modern version shows up around 1557 in a work called A Hundred Good Points of Husbandry. 
In this, Thomas Tusser, an English poet and farmer, wrote the following quote, Sweet April showers, do spring may flowers. End quote. Now, if we jump ahead to the late 19th century, we find a longer version, which brings us back to the March connection. It was listed in a book called the Dictionary of Proverbs, written by George Apperson, a man of letters and school inspector. He chronicled the saying as, quote, March winds and April showers bring forth May flowers, end quote. Now we know the history of the saying, but is it true? Do March winds and April rains make the flowers grow in May? To an extent, yes. Obviously, plants need water to grow. And to make another obvious point, rain is often accompanied by wind. So while the wind and rain don't technically create the flowers, the wind leads to the rain and the rain does lead to the flowers. So this is really more of an observation of about how spring weather affects plants. Just like something bad may happen before something good, the heavy wind and rain that can come with March and April leads to the beauty of flowers. And with that, let's head over to the book for today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've got the book here, and it's open to a section of John Armstrong Shaloner's works. And I think it's the only quote he has in here. It looks like it. Anyway, what it says is, Who's loony now? <laughs> That's it. That's all it says. It says it was a message to his brother... I'm guessing they had some sort of feud about which brother was crazy, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Well, whatever you were trying to say to your brother, Mr. Shaloner, I'd like to thank you for today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 39. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. You can connect with me and fellow language lovers on Twitter and Facebook. Just look up Turn of Phrases on either site, or go to turnofphrases.com for links and more information. If you want to send me a message or topic suggestions, you can email me which is brisky at turnofphrases.com, or use my website's contact form. My website also has details about all the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, keep a spring in your step. And now... This is... Let me rephrase. Now that we know why spring is called spring... That's rude. Down below the... No. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. Um, aqui? Equi? <laughs> I'm going to just guess it's equi. A equi. Yeah, that sounds good. If you're like me, then you wonder what it is about this time of year that entices people making. That's a typo. By tidying up, cleaning.
Thank you, Kelly. One school of thought is that it comes from the Persian New Year, called Nowruz. Nowruz. Why do I keep doing this? One school of thought is that it comes from the Persian New Year, called Nowruz. That can't be Nowruz. So let's move on to the fever. <laughs> Kelly? <laughs> this meant that the times... No. The main school of thought for at least the idea behind the saying is from the Christian... Wow, I messed that word up. It was titled... <sighs> I don't know why I don't think about this before I put this stuff in my notes. Okay. Mm, I think that G is silent. Nomologia. 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 Okay. <laughs> 